0: Well hey everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff and I want to welcome you today. So glad that you're along and I hope this is a great time we spend together today so that I can help you and maybe we can learn together how to lead like never before. I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all today because our guest is a guy by the name of Ron Edmondson. And uh, it is kind of hard to describe Ron. I mean, right now he's the pastor of a church. You'll hear about that shortly. But he has done so much with his life. You'll, You'll hear me when I introduce him. He's run for office, he's run a business, he's planted churches, and right now he's doing something huge. He's transitioning a church. And so many church leaders I talk to struggle with change. And that's really what this podcast is about. Now, change isn't just an issue for church leaders, is also an issue for all of us who lead any kind of organization. Even if you're in a church plant or a startup company, within about two years, you're having to change because the strategy you launched with uh, probably isn't gonna be as effective uh, two years down the road. As it is when you launch. And so change can be very, very difficult at times. Uh, If you follow me at all, you know that this is something I'm really passionate about. I've written about change in a book called Leading Change Without Losing It. For all of you who are asking, I get asked this all the time. I am moving into a writing season, actually, over the next few months. I'm going to be sitting down to write a book. I'll let you know how that's going, and we will keep you up to date on that. But the dynamics of change can seem very mystifying, There are principles. There definitely are principles that can help. And so what I want to do in this interview with Ron today is walk you through his story and how God has done incredible things at his church. I mean, he's been there just over two years. They've pretty much doubled in size. He had a very traditional church that had been stuck for a long time, and his story is fascinating. So again, don't be intimidated by the size of his church. Just think about the dynamics of change, because the goal in all of this is to help you lead. Now, It's kind of fun. We're still running our contest, and a lot of you, we've got lots and lots of entries so far uh, in previous weeks, but this is my first ever podcast contest, and if you haven't entered, please enter today, and if you've already entered, good news, you can still enter this week, and then next week, we're going to draw for the grand prize. So it's just like this episode and the next episode, you can still enter, and here's what we're going to give away. So this week, we're giving away a signed copy of my book, Leading Change Without Losing It, and... Your comment on the blog, that's your ballot, will also qualify you for the grand prize, which we are going to draw after episode 11 to go to Orange 2015, free admission to the Orange Conference 2015 and coffee backstage with me and last week's guest, John Acuff. So that's how it works. So what you can do is just hop on over to the show notes, kerrynewhoff.com slash episode 10. Leave a comment today. That's your ballot, both for uh, this week's book, Leading Change Without Losing It, which we're giving away in the grand prize, uh, which we are going to give away after episode 11. So that's coming up real soon. Here's the question you have to answer, okay, because we're all dealing with change. The question is this. What has been the biggest obstacle to change you faced and how have you overcome it? So uh, you can listen to Ron's interview and then go over or you can head on over right now to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 10 and you can enter simply by leaving a comment on this post. So without much further ado, let's hear from Ron. Well, it's a thrill to have Ron Edmondson on the podcast today, and uh, some of you probably know Ron. He's got one of the leading blogs uh, on the internet these days in Christian leadership, and you've been blogging for a lot of years, Ron, and we became friends four or five years ago, have actually met in person since then, um, which can be a fun thing for online friendships, and uh, Ron is currently uh, pastoring uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church, and uh, Ron, you're going to talk to us today about change because you got a pretty remarkable story.
1: Well, I don't know about remarkable. I've got a story, and uh, (laughs) and a lot of it involves change. Great. So we can sure talk about it.
0: Give us a little bit of history, because you've done a lot of things. I mean, you've run for office, you've held office, you've been in radio, you've been in business, you've been in ministry. What have you learned about change um, over your years in leadership?
1: You know, I think there are a lot of the principles that underlie all of those, and that is that uh, change most of the time... um, you uh, know, it, it's always uncomfortable. Hmm. And uh, in any context, it's, it's, uh, it can be messy and difficult and all those sort of things. Those are in any environment uh, where change is, even in our personal life, you know, when we're just trying to change something that we do personally. Uh, it always, there's always a tension involved. And, uh, but I think I've also learned that um, change is most successful when there is a relational trust involved also, an investment of trust. Um, And so, you know, I I get people ask me all the time uh, about change. I've met with a couple of pastors today trying to implement some change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I just always tell them, lead into that, those relational uh, strengths that you already have. Many times you have uh, relationships in that church that are built and you're not necessarily using them because they may or may not be in, in, uh, directly affected by the change. So they're not the ones talking about it. And yet they're, uh, they're able to help you through it because you've got a relationship with them. They trust you and they've got voice into some of those people that, uh, that are directly affected. So
0: Well, that's a really interesting place to start, because I would agree with that. I think uh, change has an awful lot to do with trust or mistrust, or the success of change has to do with trust or mistrust. But I've been leading in the same context with some of the same leaders for almost 20 years. The thing that's fascinating to me about you saying that, Ron, is uh, I don't want to say you've moved around a lot, but I mean, you've had a lot of different business and ministry opportunities, uh, several churches under your belt, including starting one. uh, So church planners take note. And now you're transitioning one, but you have engineered an Incredible amount of change in under two years. So uh, we're going to hear that story today, and about the incredible change that uh, Emmanuel went through under your leadership. But I mean, you didn't have a whole lot of time to bank a lot of trust before you started engineering change uh, right off the bat at your church. So, and and it's been, I would say, largely effective. I mean, your church has just grown exponentially in the last two years. So, uh, help help me understand that. How do you, how do you get um, trust? Early on, especially for leaders who are maybe saying, "Well, I have to be here for five years to try anything," Um, you haven't been, and and it seems to have worked.
1: Well, I think one of the things we did is is when we came in, we established very early why I was here. Okay, and um, you know what was the purpose in me being here, and um, and then uh, and and that was because this was a church that had seen better days and wanted to see better days again. So yeah. that's why I'm here. So I have to keep going back to that, that that is the calling that God has placed on my life here. And the reason this church asked me to be here and, and, um, you know, incidentally, we, we planted two churches. So mm-hmm. the, the, and both were successful, but when you are a hundred and five year old church and you call a, a church planter to be your pastor, you know, things are going to be different, you know? And uh-huh. so I keep going back to that, but at the same time, um, I've tried to be very intentional about embracing the culture that's here, without erasing it. You know, I'm embracing the history and the success of this church, and reminding them that they've been through tremendous change in the last hundred years, that you know has shaped who this church is today. And that's what we're doing. Again, it feels real uncomfortable in the in the temporary. But over the span of this church, that's not unusual for this church. That's actually a very common thing. Change is a very common thing in this church.
0: I hope um, people caught what you said. Embracing without erasing. I've never heard anybody quite say that before. I think I think that's really smart, really clever. I
1: just made it up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the way it goes sometimes, right? Uh, that's yeah. great. Okay, well, let's dive into the story a little bit. Tell us about the situation you faced two years ago when you arrived on the scene at Emmanuel, and then what's happened over the last couple of years. Just to catch us all up on that story.
1: And I'm real careful in in that carry because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I think the church was in a not in a great situation, and yet, sure, uh, I'm real careful not to say that it was a bad church or you know anything mm-hmm. like that because it was a great church a great people and and, and uh, great potential and um but the church had seen better days yeah and um so uh when we arrived i think there was a a, a lot of uh, they they'd lost uh, a good deal of people they had lost leadership significant leaders they had lost uh, significant dollars that you know Contributors that were substantial contributors had moved on, and so uh, they, they had. You know, there was some financial problems, obviously growth problems. If you looked at our growth chart, it was not going the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, had become uh, very protective of ourselves. You know, I mean, that's what happens in those where you try to try to lock down and and add a few more rules to the to the system because you you don't want things to get away from you, and so. Uh, a lot of rules uh even placed on my position that were you know different you ter- know
0: okay so tell us what does that mean like I understand that when organizations are sort of in retrenchment mode they become very conservative let's just preserve what we've got and stop the right, bleeding. But right. is, is that the mindset they were in? And then and then what were so this is interesting from a leadership standpoint. What were some of the restrictions you faced?
1: Well I think it some of it was expectations. Sure. Like um you know, of where I was going to be and what I was going to be doing, the the trust had been somewhat injured. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, they they had this uh, new committee that was supposed to be my sounding board, but also my governing board. You know, uh, <laughs> it, it just doesn't quite work. That's that interesting, way, you know, but um, but they didn't really have any authority to do that either. And and I don't say that. I mean, because everyone here has heard Well, everyone in leadership has heard me say this that was a. There was reactionary moves, you know, that took place to mm-hmm. to try to protect things, and people were doing the best they knew how to do under the circumstances. And we had tremendous leadership during that time that held the church together, that kept the bills paid, that kept the staff in place, that, that kept the doors open, you know. So I, I'm in incredible gratitude to that, um, and yet it was it was a ve- it was not a. A, a system by any means that you would have wanted to join if you were a family looking for a church. You know, right, why would you want to become right. a part of that? And so, um, I think recognizing that's where we were was, was, uh, important initially. And, um, and so everybody and since, named
0: that, right? You didn't come in and sort of describe that. It was a mutual thing. You knew it, they knew it. And, and that gave you kind of a mandate for change. Sure. I think yeah. they
1: knew it. I don't think they'd identified it, but okay. I think they knew it. And, um, uh, they definitely knew the numbers, right? You know, so, because this is a church that puts the numbers out there,
0: so people were leaving, leaders had left, um, money had left, like the, their donations were down. Their best days were behind them. Sure, um, give us the the three minute version of the changes you've made just in the last twenty four months, and sort of how that went. Just give us the thumbnail thing, just to get everyone on the same page.
1: You, you know, I think the biggest changes we did we did switch some service things around. We had okay. a contemporary service that was early and I don't understand why they do that but you know, right. you know the people you're trying to reach early don't get up early. Sure. And, and a, a more blended service later and we switched those uh, which was uh, a small change in my mind. It was a monumental change around here but it was probably the single greatest thing in allowing us to grow with young families again. Right. right. Um, the other thing we did is we have tried to change the, the, the language around here, rather than talking about what's happening here, we're talking about what's happening out there hmm. that, you know, uh, that's not even here on campus. And so constantly they're hearing me say, church is not done in here alone. It's, a, you know, we've got to get outside these walls if we want to be a, a, a church today. I, I would say the third thing, so a culture of a language change. Mm-hmm. Take so take
0: the focus off themselves and start right. putting it on, on the people they want to reach and the community At- they live in. Absolutely. Sure. That makes sense. uh,
1: The other thing that that has happened, and these are all very simple things, but we have been very intentional to to live out our vision. Mm -hmm. Our vision, leading people to Jesus and nurturing them in their faith. They had that before I got here. I agreed with it. I like it. Uh, We put some strategy words around it, gather, grow, and serve. And we have talked about those continually. In fact, it is I, I, don't, I don't think you could find somebody who's been here longer than two or three weeks that doesn't know we talk about gather, grow, and serve.
0: That's good. It's,
1: it, so we've constantly gone back to those are the things that, that are, that's our strategy to live out our, our, our mission. And it and, uh, and really has been uh, as simple as those few things.
0: Hmm. So let's do some numbers. Uh, tell us the church size when you came and, and what kind of growth have you seen over the last uh, two years?
1: You know, honestly, Carrie, those those questions make me ner- nervous. Sure. You know, I, I, I'm not big on numbers um, other than the fact that they represent people. And so we do count. We count yeah. everything. Uh, but, uh, w- you know, the church was averaging about 1,000 when we got here mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Um, uh, we are averaging about 2,200 now. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, yesterday was the 4th of July weekend, and we had 1,933. I'll Man. take that. Uh, <laughs> you know, And that yeah. was against uh, 1245 the year before. Wow. So we had 55% increase last year over same Sunday. Absolutely blew us away. When I walked in uh, yesterday, um, and we're doing this in the July timeframe, but when, when I walked in yesterday, our associate pastor said, you know, we could have a down day. And I said, I'll be happy with 1200 today. I mean, it's, mm. It, it, because it was a Fourth of July weekend. It was a Friday, three day weekend, for, of, fell on a Friday. Our people are traveling. We had a hard winter. you know, they're ready to get out of town. So you know, uh, we are just blown away by what God is doing. Hmm. And um, lots of uh, we are truly doing what we had set out to do. what we set out to do in church planting. We are, obviously we have some people tracking from other churches. But sure, primarily, we're reaching unchurched families, which is our right. goal.
0: And so, in terms of finances and leaders, first of all, that's an incredible story, and it's a great perspective to have. It is a story that God's writing. It's not just a story that that we're writing for sure. Um, but finances have started to turn around as well and and uh, leaders are stepping up to serve and and to volunteer.
1: yeah, we we uh, we made budget uh, mm-hmm. the past two years since we've been here. Um, As someone said, and I don't know the history of all of this, but someone said it was the first time last year that we made our regular mission offering and our our regular offering and our mission offering um, both in the same year in as long as they could remember. So we met both of those. We are running ahead of budget, uh, which never happens around here in the summer. (laughs) This is a church that always plays catch up in December. So we are ahead for the year in our budget. Uh, We are, um, but I would say we are much like we were when I was in the church planting world as far as leaders. We have plenty of people serving. In fact, there are more people serving today than ever before. Um, The church has never been this large before. You know, Mm. even in their best days, they were never. Really? Wow. We're probably, 1,500 was about as big as this church has ever been. Right, right. So uh, we're in new territory now, and we aren't begging for anything, leaders or anything else, and yet we are in the, um, uh, the days that we experienced in fast church growth, in church planting, where we're, we're about to be leadership poor in the next you know, year or two.
0: sure. Sure. You've, your development of leaders isn't always as fast as uh, the, the access of people to your church. So, I mean, that's that's quite an extraordinary thing. And if you're a little bit, if you're listening and you're a little bit intimidated by the numbers, just take a zero away. I mean, imagine growing from sure. 100 to 20 to, or for, to 220 or, or, you know, you take a, away a few zeros. I think the principles are transferable. So let's, let's drill down on the principles right now, Ron. So, I mean, obviously God's involved. Obviously this can't just be boiled down into a formula and exported anywhere. But yet, there are probably some principles involved. So tell us some of the changes you've made beyond what you've already told us and then why you think this has worked just so that uh, we can take notes and sort of walk away and go, hmm, hadn't thought about it that way. Why don't we try that? Um, what do you think's made it work?
1: Well, you know, I think honestly, it's, um, there there's some things that we could probably do here that can't be duplicated quite sure. as well. And one of those is we are situated in the center of our community. And um, here's a building that's set, you know, for um, they relocated a couple of times in the history of the church, but sat here for almost 50 years
0: Mm.
1: at this location and was was going the other direction. And people were driving, driving past us every Sunday, Um, you know, somehow you have to stop the car, hmm. you know? And and for us, I want a manual or whatever church that I would be pastoring to be on the lips and minds of people in the community. I want them talking about us.
0: Hmm.
1: Hopefully in a positive light. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but I want them talking about the things that we're doing. What's going on over at a manual? What you know? And and so we have tried to spur conversation in the community around service. And so we are, uh, partnering with our schools. We're, we're partnering with, um, uh, other churches We're we're, we're just out in the community trying to be every single week, weekend and week out. Um, and it's, again, it's changing the conversation in the community around Emmanuel. Hmm. And so when you, uh, you know, when you are thinking church or when you are thinking, um, Whatever or there's life situations. Most of the time, people show up at church. There's something going on in their life, as you know. Sure. sure. Um, they they are thinking Emmanuel these days. You hmm. know, my life's falling apart. I, I got to go. I've heard some things going on down there. I've got to go check it out.
0: That's really so, cool. So community involvement, like getting on the on the radar screen of the community. What, what else? What else?
1: Well, uh, we're also stirring some of those, um, and I would say by far that's the biggest. Hmm. Uh, but, but we're also stirring some of the same conversations um, internally in, in regard. We have a large facility and a lot of people come in and out of our doors for, through a lot of different activities, but we've not necessarily tried to turn those into people sitting there on Sunday or people involved in our ministries. We're trying to do that a little more. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the other conversation we're trying to have is with our people having conversations with people that they're, they have relationships with. right? So we've changed our, our vocabulary, you know, from invite to bring and, um, uh, something we heard somebody else do. So we, mm-hmm. we didn't invent it, but we're encouraging every, every message I send to the church says, bring a friend hmm. every single time.
0: So let me back up. You, the, the old language was invite, but you changed it to bring. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what do you think the difference is? That's interesting, because I've heard a well, lot of churches, including us, use the word invite. But
1: Well, I think I actually got that from um, uh, Perry Noble's church. Oh, I, yeah. I think Phil Single actually was the one that told me that.
0: Everyone bring one? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so we, um, I, I heard that said um, and thought, hey, that makes sense, because it's easy to send an email message. It's a lot different to actually say, hey, will you meet me? And I want to sit with you, and then I want to go to lunch with you afterwards. You know, yeah. there's a difference in that. Um, or uh, So we're, um, we're changing uh, that language a lot of our people and just kind of how they're, th- how they're viewing their workplace and how they're viewing their neighborhoods and, and uh, um, what their role is in leading people to Jesus and nurturing them in their faith. What role do you play? So we're trying to have those conversations a lot more and uh, get that in their thought process.
0: In terms of internal changes you've made um, to governance, to staffing, or even to the worship service, I mean, your church or to your ministry structure, uh, have you made any radical changes there over the last two years?
1: We have. We came up with this strategy around our, our um, um mission, the Gather, Grow, Serve, around leading people to Jesus and nurturing them in their faith. So we we now staff around Gather, Grow, and Serve. We now budget around Gather, Grow, Serve. We now um, uh, organize uh, do announcements around Gather, Grow, Serve. So everything lines up with that. And one of the things that did with our staffing is we tended to staff for positions around here. So uh, almost a silo approach, you know, where everything, there's these pegs that you've just got to feel. Yeah. We don't have any more pegs. <laughs> there are, um, when a position comes available, we step back every single time and say, what is the best use of these dollars? And so, um, you know, for example, when I came, uh, some of these numbers I, I, I may be wrong on, but we had numerous positions. For administrative assistance around here, just because everybody always had their own. Okay. Uh, Now we have very, very few of those, Hmm. and most of those happen through attrition. uh, You know, you know those are higher turnover positions. Sure. We just have not brought them back in. We've tried to feel uh, where's a ministry that's not being met, ministry need that's not being met, where we can use those same dollars and get a, big, a bigger impact. Um, and we've done that with our entire staff. Um, we, we had a few decisions that were a little more difficult, but mostly that's just been through a reallocation of, of where our ministry dollars are being spent. For example, a huge, I think a huge deal for us, we're a church, intergenerational church, Forty percent of our number when I came was senior citizen age. Wow, and and yet we had no s- real staffing around that number, um, and yet I mean we had a student ministry with two positions and twenty five percent of the population. Hmm. So it just didn't make as much sense. And uh, those seniors, they're the lifeblood of this church. They're the most loyal. They're you know they're engaged. They're uh, they're very interested. Um, they have more time, so they like to, you, you know, it, I mean, and I'm not saying this is funny, but if there was going to be complaints, mm-hmm. they have more time to do that, you know? Yeah. And so, um, well we can, we can staff, we, we hired a lead team staff member for, to be their champion. Wow. And it was a pastor from a sister church in our community, a uh, good sized church, strong pastor, strong, um, uh, person. And now he is their, their pastor. I'm still their pastor, but just like the students have their pastor, he's their pastor. And it has been, it has been phenomenal in my opinion. Um, He's between me and them in an age category. Sure. And so they respect him probably more. They respect me. And when you talk about that level of trust, they may look to me and say, well, here's that church planter that, (laughs) you know, uh, wears jeans, you know. They can look to him and say, and when he says, no, I I think this is a good move, you know, then there's a little bit stronger level of trust that we're making a wise decision. Wow, that's
0: kind of counterintuitive, because I think a lot of church planter types would have come in and said, wow, 40% of the church is seniors. We just need to ignore that, change that. But you actually rallied them around that. A couple of questions for you. I got to go back a little bit. Number one, I'm sure podcast listeners are going, so who's doing the admin? So if you eliminated all these admin sure. positions, what, just answer that quickly, then we'll jump back to the other thing.
1: Well, you know, what admin is there? You know, I mean, we still have admin <laughs> positions, but I send emails and I, you know, I, I, I run copies and, you know, I, I, it, uh, we still have admin people, just the level of administrative work that any of us do. Uh, go talk to your banker and see when how they're doing on administrative uh, <laughs> help these days. Uh, go talk to your school system that is a, one of your larger employers in your community and see how many administrative people they've got on their staff these days. Wow. Talk to teachers and see how much of their administrative work they're having to do these days. So the world of online and technology has lowered the need for a lot of that. And, and I don't mean to be cruel in this, but pastors have been rather spoiled in that and that we have... Uh, been able to staff around that. But we also have upped our number of volunteers. We, among those um, uh, seniors, we found there were a few of them that still knew how to run a copier. Hmm. And and we brought them in. And, and um, you know, they can organize your um, whatever it is, you know. I, and so we have, um, we've relied on a lot more volunteer labor around here. We just transferred to a new software system and a lot of that database entry was done by volunteers. And so, wow. so we've moved to um, a lot more volunteer base. We are thinking, Carrie, in this established church, like we were in the days when I was leading one of the church plants, where we didn't have the dollars to pay for it, but had to get it done.
0: Wow. That, you know, just, that's a great mindset. That's but a great we're just mindset. trying to
1: use those dollars in a wiser way now. Uh, for instance, we had no uh, dollars at all. Our mission is shifting to where we have to get outside the walls and let w- yet we had no dollars for staffing of that. Hmm. So we've shifted dollars to that. So now we do have staff that specifically address getting us outside the walls.
0: So to put that in a nutshell, rather than asking for more, you just did different. It's just like we'll just we'll Absolutely. just take what we have and we'll divide it differently according yeah, to the we're mission. not spending.
1: And I, I told our our finance and personnel committees that just recently, you know, we are doing uh, ministry to a lot more people these days with the same dollars that we were using when I got here. That can't remain forever. Right. So we will eventually. Yes, we will probably have more administrative positions at some point. We will, pro- but we will more than that have more ministry minded people. The the key for me too is administrative or or non administrative everybody has to do ministry here yeah uh, this is a ministry that's what we do so everybody answers the phone but everybody also can sit with somebody and pray with somebody and and lead someone to Jesus wow so uh, you know it, it is a different um, it's a different paradigm We're not using organizational charts that look you know we're like straight lines it's very convoluted. And everybody plays a part. and they overlap, and and uh, you know some days we, some days all energy may be on on discipleship, and other days all energy is on service and that sort of thing.
0: That's a really interesting model. And I got to say, on the administration part, you answer my emails instantaneously. I, I can't mm-hmm. believe it. It's like it's like an automatic bounce back or something. It's so good. So you do that well. Now a couple of questions just about um, leveraging the, the seniors has that created another silo in the church or is that really are the, have they caught the vision and they want to see the younger generation? Like some people might think listeners would think, well, if I did that at my church, it would just mean that really we only minister to uh, the older generation and we totally miss out on young families. How's sure. that going for you? Are you reaching young families? Is that growing as well?
1: Well, I uh, absolutely. In mm. fact, of that growth number, it, that's predominantly uh, young families. So um you know, just if you just took the numbers that I shared earlier, those that came in, uh, probably less than, uh, I don't know, one half of one percent is senior adults. So th- we're not getting a lot of new senior adults, you know. Uh, we're, we're welcome them, but, um, you know, by the time a senior adult is either in a church or they're very hard to reach, as you know. Yep. So, uh... we're reaching young families that's who the new people coming in are and as far as creating silos uh... you have to guard against that but the same argument could be said while we have a student pastor or while we have a children's pastor and so uh... it's really champions of those people and making sure they're engaged and identifying with their specific needs and, and that sort of thing But we are also trying, and we haven't got this figured out, but it is a constant conversation we're having. Our fastest growing group is 20s and 30s and uh, and, and young families. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly trying to figure out with that group, how do we get you engaged with our senior adults? How do we get the two of you together? Because the, the, the reality is the senior adults are welcoming to that. They're mm-hmm. not as They're not as aggressive to go after it. And yet the 20s and 30s, they'll go. They'll do that. If we provide them the mechanism and the opportunity, they will go sit with a grandmother. They love
0: it. Is that because they're missing the influence of their parents or grandparents in their lives? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we don't live with them
1: anymore. Yeah. And so I tell our, uh, um, I tell our church all the time, we really are missing a, the, the group that's missing here that we don't have as many of are people my age. Hmm. We have some, but we don't have a lot. Uh, again, it's a harder age to gra- get people to come, you sure. know, when the children are the draw a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of young families. We already had lots of seniors. Um, I tell our seniors um, that, they're cool. Yeah. I'm not, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not at the, cool because I'm their parents' age. You know?
0: Right. Right.
1: Uh, uh, what did you wear that shirt for? You know, I uh-huh. mean, come on, there's gotta be, but for a, for a senior, they're cool again. Right. And so if we can find ways for them to engage, and we've just really gotten started, we've done, okay. in fact, we met with, um, with that group of 20s, some of the leader 20s and 30s, some of the leadership of that, and tried to come up with some Activities we've done uh, one or two of those already, where they just got together for some dinners and and we we meshed them together and just made them kind of communicate with each other, and that has uh, gone well. It just hungered, it gave them a hunger for more of that. We've got some more things planned for this fall. So we're in the process of, of, of doing that.
0: If there was one or two factors that you would say really helped attract young families and singles and 30-somethings to your church, is there anything you can put your finger on? Because you made some changes on Sunday morning too, right, in in your services. We did, and
1: we did on the services. I think we had to yeah. on the services, but I, I would say that's not the primary. I mean, um, we are we have, are providing twenties and thirties a place to connect with other people. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, uh, we are a friendly church that was already here. I didn't invent that. This is a, a, a very friendly church. So you will come and, and, and enjoy that. Now, one of the reasons we had to change services in, in swap our service times was not because of music. It was because of crowd mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a, a young family is going to visit at the later hour. And before I got here, they had taken the younger families out and started a tradition, a contemporary service at an earlier hour. So if a young family came in, they didn't see anybody that their kids were going to grow up with, you know, or right. they were going to be friends with. Right. So that was really the reason we needed to make that change. And I think that helped us make the change too, yeah. when we use that conversation that made a little more sense than just a music style. You know, you can't argue with that. So, um, we, um, we have that in, in the room now, and then we have created opportunities outside of that for young families to get together to, uh, fellowship, to do Bible study together, to, uh, to grow together, you know, so we're fueling that through events, through regular Sunday offerings where they can get together, through anything we can do to get people in a room to uh, gather. That's our first part of our strategy. That helps them find those life-altering connections, you know, because people want to do life with people. Yeah, they do. uh, And and where else are you
0: going to do it these days, right?
1: Yeah. And so we're creating those opportunities as much as we can. And I think that has Probably fueled for us as much as anything. Now, obviously, you got to have good support. Uh, you, you know, you, preschool has to be excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, safe and all those things that hopefully people already know. Children's has to be engaging, and fam- children love coming and. And, uh, you know, again, it's safe and, and welcoming and that sort of thing. So you've got to have those. You've got to have excellence in those. But then I think it's just a matter of giving people an opportunity. You'll find uh, a place here. In fact, we just started a campaign. We just we've been doing it about six months called You'll Find Your Place. Uh, come find your place at Emanuel. And uh, we, we've we done some television commercials and different things on on. Come find your place at Emmanuel. Hmm. I found my place at Emmanuel, Giving people a, 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 an opportunity to, to uh, connect with real people and do real life with them.
0: Wow. Well, we got about five minutes left, and this is a fascinating story because it doesn't follow the predictable script, I think, that a lot of church growth does these days. And it's fascinating because it's a story of transition. Now... Almost the way it sounds because I know this isn't true Ron in your case it almost sounds like everyone just stood up and applauded but these haven't been the easiest two years you've had some opposition to change as well uh, where's what has been the argument against change and then um, what have you found um, to be the hardest aspect of this over the last couple of years personally
1: you know I, I don't know I think the hardest thing for me has been um, has been personally, um, knowing when to press and when not to. Hmm. The the actual pushback has not been as hard. Uh, it has, and I, you know, I, I've told our church, um, and this is probably I've just up until a month or so before my second anniversary, uh, I consistently received more criticism than I received praise. Really? Uh, re- oh yeah. Regardless of the number. It was just, uh, you know, of what we were doing, experiencing growth, and that sort of thing. And I'm not saying because it's a wonderful church with a wonderful people.
0: Sure, sure, sure. But I mean, that's reality, but right? Just human in dynamics. sheer
1: number of feedback, I would receive two criticisms for every one praise. You know, wow. it's just the way it was. And I think you've got to know that if you're coming into this, that that's you know that that's going to be part of it. And then I have a church with very little filter when it comes to that among some of the people. So, uh, so knowing that coming in, uh, that that was, you know, real possibility, but, uh, but that honestly hasn't been the biggest struggle. The biggest struggle for me has been realizing I can't do it the way I did it in a church plant. Hmm. And so, um, I have to adapt the change to the environment that I have here, which is going to be slower which is going to b- mean that I have to communicate more often. I have to bring more people along. I have to have more meetings before the meetings, you know, uh, that sort of thing. It, it's, it's, it's laborsome to be quite mm-hmm. honest. Uh, but the biggest, the ultimate biggest challenge for me here has been um, leading with very intentional purpose without ever being self-serving. Hmm. or egotistical or arrogant. Hmm. Uh, and you know, um, and I have to continue to check my heart to be just gut honest with you, Carrie, that I'm not doing this for me, right? I'm not doing it to brag about numbers or to be listed on a list somewhere. I don't care about those things. I really, really don't.
0: Hmm.
1: I care about them in terms of the people they represent and the lives they represent. And I, I happen to look at this city, and some 90% don't go to church. Most, I mean, we have a large number of unsaved people in our community, as every community does. And I feel a mandate to go after them. And, if, if, uh, and so trying to make sure I'm living the mission of this church, what this church has been doing for 105 years, and yet it'd be easier if I could just do it in a way that pleased me first, you know, <laughs>
0: um,
1: and I can't.
0: Isn't that the challenge of every leader, though, I think, yeah. or most of us anyway, whether you're doing a church plant or transitioning a church, it's to put that towel over your arm to serve the people um, that you've been called to serve. That's that's huge. And, you know, and I yet
1: hope- not let them walk over you. either. no, 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 no. That's not effective,
0: you know. Mm. Uh, Jesus didn't do that,
1: and, and and it's not effective just to say, oh, you don't like that? Okay, we won't do it then. You That's know, a great that, point. Uh, and so you've got to be intentional and purposeful. You've yeah. been called to this. I've been called to this. Hmm. And yet at the same time, not ever forget that by the grace of God, I don't even deserve to stand here.
0: So when your inbox is filling up twice as often with complaints as it is with compliments, how do you get through that?
1: Um, you, you, that's what I delete, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think again, you just keep going back to the calling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, the same way hopefully you do with the, with the positives. Yeah. You you don't store them up and look what I've done. Mm-hmm. You don't store up the criticism and look what I've done wrong. And, and I think, uh, it's, it's the exact same approach. It's recognizing, asking yourself, am I, is this true? Is it, uh, I mean, is there some, something here I need to learn from? Is there, um, is this representative? You know, is it larger? Uh, and, um, you know, one of the biggest words somebody said to me, uh, years ago, when I was in church planting, which was also equally full of criticism at times, yeah. especially among the church crowd in the Bible Belt. But I, uh, uh, a seasoned pastor said to me, and I've used it so many times since then, and I was feeling beat up. And he said, Ron, you know what your problem is? And I said, No, what's my problem? He said, Your problem is you're looking for your affirmation in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. You need to seek your affirmation among the people God sent you to minister to. And uh, that has been a huge word to me. And when I look at the church and I see this 105-year-old church that God has honored and blessed for long before I was even born uh, and what the potential we have and what we're doing, um, you know, that those people who believe in this church and want to see this church go forward. They may not agree with everything I do, but they want to see this church succeed. Those are the people that God has sent me to minister to. And when they're affirming me by and large, okay, the few that are not going to get it anyway, Hmm. you know, I can't do anything about that.
0: That's a good word. Now we've got leaders who are on the front side of change who might be a little bit scared, um, to see the two to one ratio. What would you say to them?
1: You know, I I would say hopefully yours won't be the same way, (laughs) you know? Um, Right. But, but I think, you know, um, uh, take time to, to step away. I step away a lot, you know, and, uh, and don't be afraid to shut everything down just to spend time with, with God and with you and with your, your family. Um, and you'll get mo- your inbox will be full, but you'll be full also and better able to, uh, to handle that. So I, I think the more you're in those seasons, the more you have to discipline yourself to shut everything down for a little while and and recover and go back, you know, go back into it again. Gotcha. And we saw Jesus continually doing that. And I think through that strength is where you you keep plowing in.
0: Well, the time has flown today, Ron. It really, really has. And it always people, does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, hey, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to uh, connect with you and, and even read what you wrote?
1: The easiest way is just through my blog because everything is linked there. So it's RonEdmondson.com, uh, two D's, Ron, E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. And just uh, you can find all the links there to connect
0: with me. That's great. You're a great follower, our great follow, I should say, on Twitter and social media as well. And thank And you, Ron, hey, thank you so much for spending time with us. And thanks for encouraging leaders today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Well, how can you not love Ron Edmondson? I mean, isn't he just a great guy? He's so down to earth, he's so practical, and yet he's so smart and yet unassuming. I love that in a leader. And if you don't read or haven't read Ron's blog, you should really hop on over. It's a great investment. He blogs many times a week, and he's always got some great insights. You can find his stuff at ronedmondson.com, and I will put the link right in the show notes. And if you go over to kerryneuhoff.com episode 10... You can find the show notes there, along with some quotes from Ron, and any link that we referred to or resource we referred to in this episode will be there, as always, in the show notes. So it's com slash episode 10. And another reason I would love for you to head on over to the show notes is so that you could enter... My first ever podcast contest. That's right. It's still going on. And today or this week, I'm going to give away a copy of my book, Leading Change Without Losing It. It's a signed copy. And all you have to do is leave a comment on this episode. And I'm going to ask everybody, because this is in the name of Leading Like Never Before, to answer a question uh, while this contest is running. And so the question I would love for you to answer this week is, what has been the biggest obstacle to change you faced and how have you overcome it? Pretty simple, but I'm sure you're trying to navigate change, if not in your church, in your organization, in in your company, wherever you lead. It's just hard. So what has been the biggest obstacle to change you faced? How have you overcome it? When you answer that in the comment section, that is your ballot, not only to win the book this week, but after episode 11, we're going to be giving away one free admission to Orange Conference 2015. That's almost a $300 value. Plus, you're going to have coffee backstage with john acuff last week's guest and myself so that's the only ticket at the orange conference that includes that so john and i would love to meet you you'll get to go to orange for free uh we'll admit you to that conference for free so uh time is running out on this podcast contest so drop on by to kerry newhoff.com slash episode 10 help us answer today's question that's your ballot and we're all going to learn together isn't that kind of cool so thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for all that you're doing and Thank you for all of you who have left ratings and reviews, and if you've enjoyed this, we're now up to 10 episodes. Uh, We've already heard from Andy Stanley, Casey Graham, Perry Noble, Kara Powell, Tony Morgan, John Acuff last week, and and so many others. Um, This is forming a little bit of a leadership library, and that's what really excites me. So the easiest way to never miss an episode is to subscribe. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that on Stitcher. You can do that on TuneIn Radio. And thank you to everybody who has left a review or a comment. And thanks so much for the dialogue. We're going to continue the leadership dialogue at my blog, kerrynewhoff.com, this week. And that really just leaves us one thing, which is next week's episode. And my guest is going to be Pete Wilson from Crosspoint Church in Nashville. Maybe you've read one of his books like Plan B or Empty Promises, or maybe you watch the church online. They are an incredibly influential, fast-growing church in Nashville, Tennessee. Pete is probably the coolest pastor i think if you know pete he's just such a great guy and he's so humble and he's so honest and we're going to talk about the incredible journey that god has got Cross Point church on and some of the lessons we can all learn from that so don't miss episode 11 it's also when our contest closes so make sure you subscribe now and never miss an episode so thanks so much for tuning in i really do hope that this has helped you lead like never before